Hello and welcome back to The Fallen Fruit. I'm Katherine Urban. I'm Stephanie Genese. Lynette Ramos. And today we are talking about Medusa. Mm. <laughs> We've always wanted to talk about this dark goddess and it just seemed to line up perfectly for us right now. Yeah, so. perfectly. <laughs> so we're going to get into it. We're going to start off by talking a little bit about Medusa's juicy, juicy mythology. Very juicy. Yeah, and then we're going to move into uh, some of the astrology behind it. And then also basically talk about how that's mirroring into our current reality and yeah. the plight of the women and, yeah, current yeah. events. It's all super relevant right yep. now. Yeah. So, so what do we know about Medusa? Let me just start by saying this. The most interesting, th well, not the most interesting thing, but an interesting thing is, is that uh, her origins uh, lie in North Africa. Yeah. Uh, where she was represented uh, as one third of the triple moon goddess. And I think that as, as we've been looking into some of these goddesses, we find that um, whether it's goddesses or other uh, figures, is that it's like they're almost potentially reincarnating in different places and may be known by different name, but there's some of the same energy and archetype and, and patterns. So I thought that was an interesting thing because I never knew that there was a potential connection right there. Yeah, this this myth has a lot, a lot of layers to it. So we're gonna unpack it. We're gonna get into it. Yep. So what we do know about Medusa is that she is a snake goddess. She's got snakes for hair. And anyone that she looks at will turn them to stone. So everyone is kind of real fearful of Medusa. But how did she get in that ugly, threatening, monstrous state of being? Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> Stephanie, do you want to tell us? <laughs> I will tell you. Um, so she was uh, one of three sisters. So they were the Gorgon sisters, um, and they were, you know, pretty, I guess, beautiful young women for that time. And she was very much, um, I guess, a, a worshiper of Athena. So she worked in her temple, um, cleaning, doing, tending to it, making sure Athena was happy. There were gifts to offer, all that good stuff. And apparently Poseidon had his eye on this young maiden and decided to sneak into Athena's temple and have his way with um, Medusa. So it's kind of up in the air for debate as to whether she willingly, you know, let Poseidon basically bone her in the temple or if he forced himself and then she was essentially raped. Um, you know, I would like to think that either way, you know, it's not that big a deal. But Athena yeah. thought it was a big deal. She did not like nobody fucking in her house. So um, she decided to put a curse on Medusa and turn her into this monstrous being with snakes for hair. And uh, any time that she you know, would look at a man, he would turn to stone, making it very hard for her to bone anybody ever again. <laughs> very um, hard. And one of the um, myths or stories that I had read about her said that 
um, you know, she was quote unquote deflowered by Poseidon and that the law of the day actually forced her to then become Poseidon's wife. So she had to marry her predator. She had to marry her predator, um, which doesn't sound far off from some laws we probably had not too long ago or societal laws, maybe not necessarily um, put set in stone, but was like common around certain cultures certain um just places around here where things like that you know you would hear of that happening so um, already we have three variations of yeah what happened but either way you know whether she was in her sexuality and was punished for it or was raped and you know not shown mercy or in this case like and then having to marry her rapist, basically. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. either so, way. Yeah. Just a really kind of traumatic origin story, for sure, for her to then be this goddess now, um, which some people might not even say goddess. You know, they might refer to her as just a monster or something like that, because then she elected to get vengeance on all men um, because of what Poseidon did. Right. So... She was reclusive, though, and wouldn't leave her island. Um, But men would come seeking her out to sort of say, like, I'll be the one to, you know, end her, to kill her. To conquer her. To conquer her, and then I'll be this great warrior. Um, So they all came looking to behead her. And, like, what's the symbolism in that? You know, this, the part of a woman as to what happens after maybe she undergoes some sort of trauma or is forced into a situation you know exactly yeah and then um one of the other myths that we see medusa really strong is with the myth of perseus so perseus and there's a constellation in the sky called perseus and he's holding the head of medusa Mm -hmm. and um we'll get a little bit more into that story later of the symbolism of the constellation but so perseus is a man he was born uh to his mother uh i believe zeus fathered him Mm -hmm. um and so anyways the story or wait no no no. i don't know who fathered him but the story was that his father was going to be like um killed by his son so the Mm. father was like oh no she's pregnant and he boxed up his wife and Perseus in this box sent them to sea cast them out and Perseus and his mother landed on this island and they ended up being raised by this other man who brought Perseus up to be a man that man's brother was in love with Perseus's mother and so in order to get him away so have you guys ever been in a situation you have kids where a man comes into your life and he's interested in you but he's trying to like get your kids out of the way so he can bone you basically (laughs) i haven't had that situation um because i've only ever been with like one person since my i split with my ex-husband but i remember me being a child and dudes wanting to bone my mom right and being like here's a teddy bear go to your room yeah exactly <laughs> right like maybe not yeah. like literally like get them all yeah. or get them away but definitely like on that nightly like yeah can you get your kid somewhere else <laughs> <Yeah>. right <laughs> exactly yeah 
So the guy basically gives Perseus this impossible feat of killing the Gorgon and bringing back Medusa's head. So, um, or I don't know, maybe he wasn't supposed to bring back the head, but he was like, yeah, go slay this Gorgon. Mm -hmm. And that will be good enough for, um, they had like a wedding thing going on and Perseus was like, well, I don't have horses to give to the wedding. (laughs) So he's like, well, if you don't have a horse, then you got to go kill this monster and thinking he would get rid of him forever. Mm -hmm. Well, then Perseus, of course, um, on his journey to go kill Medusa, he is given a cap of invisibility by Hades because he's half immortal. And uh, Athena gives him this very shiny shield, which is like a mirror. And then Hermes gives him the fleet, uh, like the winged, uh, the winged shoes to like oh, yeah. get away and and be swift on your feet. So he is able, with the gods' help, to defeat this monster. And eventually, he is able to slay Medusa with his sword. And uh, he puts her head in a bag. And as he's flying home, oh, after her head, after she's decapitated, um, out of her, because she's pregnant from Poseidon raping her, having sex with her, and Pegasus flies out. So there's his horse, but now it's like a winged horse. So it symbolizes freedom. Like a winged horse has so much symbolism of freedom. When we Mm -hmm. think about the Sagittarius energy of like, freedom seeking but like this horse has wings yeah a lot of symbolism there so then they're flying back on pegasus or on his winged shoes and he's got this head in this bag and as the blood drips some of the blood falls on libya and uh creates oases in the desert but then some of the blood drops create poisonous snakes in the Mm -hmm. desert so and it's said that he gave blood to Athena and Athena used the blood of Medusa's head for like evil and like killing and bad and then the other part of the blood from Medusa was given to Asclepius who is known as the serpent bearer and he is like the father of you know one of the fathers of modern medicine and healing and Asclepius had like temples dedicated to dreaming and like healing through that way and also medicine and he had the caduceus staff with like mm-hmm. the serpents on it yeah and that's our modern symbol for medicine you yeah. see that that caduceus staff of of asclepius on ambulances and all of that so so here we have this medicine of medusa that is both poisonous and healing so there's that and then he goes back and shows the head to the guy and turns into stone there so that's oh. another version another piece of medusa yeah so in in learning about medusa more we we started talking about this earlier as we started to realize all of these parallels you know like you know as an example with medusa whether she was raped or punished that made her ineligible to marry um in this particular one it also made her unavailable to be devoted in service to the goddess because she was no longer a virgin so it's like here she is um whether she was in her power whether she was taken advantage of it's almost like she was punished Mm -hmm. and it's almost like she doesn't have any value anymore and and that and that spoke a lot to me and it also it was interesting too about you know with athena turning against her it's like 
women against women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, again, if you were in your power, the woman, it's like she felt threatened. If you were raped or taken advantage of, somehow she, as the victim, is still looked at as being responsible for whatever this male figure has done. Yeah. So the responsibility is still on her, even though in, any, in either case, he was a party to that. And we see that all the time, all the time. in our yeah. culture, don't yeah. we? Like what was Medusa wearing while she was cleaning the temple? exactly and like women are sometimes the first ones to ask that question when you hear you know another woman share her story of sexual assault um, or harassment it's women are sometimes the first ones to judge and it's like how you know it boggles my mind because it's like we're trying to promote this like sisterhood divine sisterhood and um, be here for each other and you support each other and then once somebody sort of ruins our good name mm-hmm. as you know ruins the name of the collective of women then you know she's cast out she's a ruined woman that's where that sort of like stigma comes from it's like yeah. she's no good anymore yeah right. and there's like this theme of jealousy that mm-hmm. we are seeing over and over again through the medusa story so like was athena maybe on some level a little jealous maybe there was something about medusa's sexuality that she didn't understand mm-hmm. you know we fear what we don't understand you know because athena is a young maiden in this story mm-hmm. so she may not have been initiated into the sexual mysteries yet mm-hmm. that's actually another point that in my research, I found that they said that potentially Medusa was the dark side of the goddess. So Athena was the light and Medusa was the dark. So it's almost like Athena wasn't in touch with her sexuality. She wasn't in touch with her power. So it was almost like when Medusa was acting, quote unquote, in this way, Athena was like shunning her. It's true. Uh, Athena is a distinctly unsexual goddess distinctly so she was kind of more like one of the boys Mm. so she was almost even like one of those girls that's like i don't have any girlfriends i just skateboard with the boys yeah (laughs) i'm only like hanging out with guys i only have guy friends yeah yeah it's like i get you know to some extent maybe you've just had unfavorable relationships with women maybe where you grew up um it can happen you know it can happen but I think as you mature and become a woman in a sense, you know, you're not a little girl anymore. Um, if you're still carrying around that notion of like, I only hang with the guys, I'm one of the guys. And just to set your, like, I'm not like most girls, I'm different. You're playing into that conversation of, you know, women are inferior, girls act this certain way, women act this certain way, the feminine is bad, the way the feminine acts, their emotions, their anger, that's all bad. So I don't want to be like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like one of the themes I find in this story too is, you know, as a woman, you start going through puberty especially like I went through it young I went I was one of the first girls in my class to get my period Mm -hmm. and I did not want to stop watching cartoons I did not want to stop playing with my toys and like doing my silly kid stuff I did not want to stop doing any of that and then it was just like suddenly like you have all these biochemical things happening in your body and you don't understand it and it's it's hard and so I think maybe Medusa or I mean, Athena on some level was maybe is kind of speaking to that 
rite of passage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you see it with Perseus too. Like he's having to like detach from his mom and go out and like become a man and like do his hero journey. And so mm-hmm. you see that theme of like growing up mm-hmm. in this myth. Yeah, it's almost like she wants to stay in, in good grace. She wants to follow the rules. She wants to present herself to be like this beautiful package where, you know, Medusa, she was more in her power and in her sexuality. And we even we've seen this in other stories where she was shunned and she was um, forced to be isolated because she was bad. Like that was her punishment. Now you have to go away. You can't be a part of society where this one who was potentially she was backstabbing and she was persecuting Medusa she gets to be we we well, we can still deal with you cuz you're playing by the rules you're mm-hmm. you're doing what we want you to do so we'll play nice with you but because you on the other hand maybe were against the rules or you were in your power you're going to be made an example of right and so you know again depending upon what story we're looking at Medusa has this level of courageousness that this is who I am this is you know if you want to punish me or if you want to shun me, then let it be what it is. But I, this is who I am. She's like know. Stormy Daniels. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, we'll just pay you to go away. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, but you'll still hear me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, another point we were, we were talking about, too, is that um, when a woman is in her power and she's looked at, whether that's a slut or a bitch or whore, it's like we don't want you to behave this way but there's something about what you're doing that we like but we don't want to let anyone else know that we like it we'll pay for it it. yeah Yeah. we're afraid of it we're intrigued by it and and quietly we can actually look at it and be like man that's badass but that's for someone else like we we don't feel like we have permission to do that well and that's like the initiation right of the sexual mysteries of the dark goddess is like knowing knowing and you know we talked about medicine we talked about the medicine of medusa's blood was it her menstrual blood in some versions of the story yeah Mm -hmm. and so there's pieces of medusa that are like equally as poisonous as they are healing and we look at something like sexuality and that can be a really destructive thing if misused or you don't know how to handle what you're working with like Mm -hmm. snake like the snake medicine if you can't like it's a powerful force and you have to be initiated and have training to be able to handle it in a way that it is healing. So we see sexuality can be something that is uh, like supremely healing and regenerative and it's the most powerful, you know, energy force that there is. It creates life if you use it for that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it can also be destructive. Yeah, it can be destructive. I feel like too, like, with and I almost forgot my my point here but um yeah it can be used it's the discerning energy it can we have to know that with our power comes responsibility and if you're in your power you know that sometimes you have to destroy and and that and sometimes I feel like we in this society don't know how and when to use that energy now we can't be irresponsible and be manipulative and and overpower people but there are times that you know if someone is coming in to take what you have or to hurt someone we have to be in a different energy 
we have to be in this more protective energy and be okay with being in our power and doing some of the dirty work. And I think that that's something that we just haven't been able to, I think, fully integrate responsibly. Yeah. I mean, Medusa's name actually means to guard or protect. Mm, And then Athena ended up using the symbol of Medusa's head on the shield Mm -hmm. and on her breastplate. It's almost like she hated what she represented but needed Mm -hmm. whatever it was. It's like sometimes, you know, with women or um, femme-identifying individuals, it's like we can throw each other into the fire it's like because you almost mirror or represent a part of me that I'm suppressing like to see another woman who represents maybe your shadow self that you're not in touch with or that you're not even conscious that exists within you and you have this sort of like hatred or jealousy or envy or anger toward her like look at her out there just flaunting Mm -hmm. her body or just being Mm -hmm. in her power or being sexual Um, we're quick to almost tear those people down And, but, you know, maybe if it was, if we were conscious enough or in loving spirit enough to say, like, I want a little bit of that. Like, maybe let me reach out to her. Maybe she has something for me or something she can teach me. And it doesn't have to look like what she's doing, but maybe, you know, it's my time alone. Maybe I get more into pleasuring myself or self-love or back into masturbation or things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't have to necessarily look like what everyone else has, but there's medicine and there's healing in sexuality. And I feel like our society has gotten so far away from it. And women are the first ones that we will throw to the fire and sacrifice for finding the power in sexuality. You know what that makes me think of? You know how people have this thing where like, let's say that uh, there's a a relationship between a man and a woman and let's say the guy cheats. Mm -hmm. There's this kind of really sick joke that that other woman tends to not be as attractive. It's like, why did you potentially ruin this relationship for that side piece whore? But what was it about her that he wanted was it that she was more in touch with her physical or her her physical side her sexuality maybe because she wasn't as beautiful she has to use something else and again i'm not talking about good or bad because i'm just it's an observation yeah what is it about this other woman that is not as attractive or as appealing that he found something in or it can go the other way where it's like well you know what weren't maybe like if you're cheated on like maybe you don't feel like you're as beautiful right you know and so like maybe that other person had it so there is kind of Mm -hmm. this again theme of jealousy here Mm -hmm. and when we think about medusa you know we're going to talk about her the constellation of of her there's a star called algol that um is supposed to represent medusa's blinking eye okay and i think about the the phrase the green-eyed monster Mm -hmm. so you know she's turning into this monster and like there's a lot of emotions going on for medusa like there's themes of jealousy there's themes of trauma not being understood but again she's powerful like she Mm -hmm. has been initiated into these mysteries Mm -hmm. and she's she's very powerful it's almost like too there there have been stories where let's say a woman um it was looked down upon if she wore like lipstick right because she's like in her sexuality and her power and instead of saying hey guy you need to control 
your physical desires and you have to manage it. It doesn't matter what she has on or whatever. And in this case, it's like Medusa, if we look at her stare as being destructive, it could also be looked at as some a woman's sexuality, like sexuality when she's in her power. It's like, is it her responsibility to control what that man does? Or is he supposed to say, hey, I don't have to be in my primal self. I can manage it. So again, in, in, in these patterns and in these stories, we find again that it's always com- it always comes back to the woman. Mm-hmm. Whether she's in her power, not in her power, it's like somehow the responsibility isn't on the man. It's on the woman. Right. It's always. I mean, when yeah. you were talking about relationships with um, there being another person or something like that, it's like people are always quick to blame the other person mm-hmm. instead of blaming their partner mm-hmm. um, or having that conversation around it's more internal between the two of us than it really doesn't even have anything to do with this other mm-hmm. person. Yeah. Um, right. We're always so quick right. to blame someone else like Athena. You know, what was uh, Poseidon's punishment? It doesn't right. seem doesn't. from the stories yeah, that we're reading. It doesn't seem that there was a punishment. He was free to go out and, do whatever and desecrate temples all he wanted and medusa's you know her whole life completely changed yeah and he had zero consequences he was kind of able to show up you know get his dick wet and leave you know (laughs) right and like that's basically that still goes on in our culture where it's like if you're a woman you get punished especially when you're younger like you're either gonna get a bad reputation for being Mm. like a slut or Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like there's or, or like whether you're feeling empowered with your choices and everything mm-hmm. like that. I think younger women coming up in today's world have more of that mm-hmm. freedom in, in their sexuality. But like men have like zero consequences. And that brings us to today. You know, we're having conversations about the abortion bans going on. Mm-hmm. And men, you know, there's a lot of pushback for men to get vasectomies. You know, it's kind of more just like the dark goddess being like, hey, if we're going to get punished and you control our bodies, like there needs to be consequences for you. Why don't you guys get vasectomies? And so I think that that's like a funny kind of yeah. in light pushback. The fact that they're it, it's almost like laughable when uh, people bring to light like what about male birth control or what about yeah, a vasectomy because those are less invasive. They can be um, reversed where you know a woman sterilizing herself or getting her quote-unquote tubes tied it's very invasive it can a lot can go wrong they're not reversible really always um and so why is it that we just think like men having any sort of responsibility or having any sort of preventative planned pregnancy you know planned parenthood you go to a planned parenthood who do you see you see uterus having individuals. If you don't have a uterus, when's the last time you went to a Planned Parenthood um, or you know any sort of facility that takes care of those things? Um, it's always the women there. Um, why does it always fall on our shoulders to make sure like we're taking birth control? We're um, you know if anything does come up, we have to undergo everything. And like our lives have to completely change. It's like, well, if you want men to have equal say or like the man should have a, an opinion too if the woman's allowed to have an abortion. And it's like, well, he could have done things to prevent it too, but he was just out here just 
fucking raw dogging and <laughs> spitting dog. his seed everywhere yeah. to no avail. Like, you know, I have a cousin who has like seven kids from like six different women. And I'm like, what the fuck? And but nobody thinks anything of it. Right. But like if a woman has six you know, seven kids from six different guys, it's like, ugh, She's oh trash. my God. Bah, right. bah, bah. There's definitely a double standard <laughs> Hell here. Yeah, there is. But I want to go back. I want to take a little step back because you brought up a really good point, Stephanie. You were talking about how a lot of times our issue with the other woman or whatever it may be is often our own issue. Mm -hmm. And in this story, we have the way that the monster was conquered was with the mirror. Mm. You know, that's right. Like Perseus shunned the mirror in her face and was able to protect himself. And then the monster was slayed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. It's almost like she was stunned at the vision of herself being reflected back at her yeah, and was off her guard for a moment. And then. Yeah. And I think like we've all had those moments in life where like you have to take a step back and see you know the bad thing that happened to you how it's become poisonous and how it might might not have been your fault but like the whole saying like it might not be your fault but healing is your responsibility kind yeah. of thing and you have to check yourself mm -hmm. and i think that you know as we try to become more whole and more of ourselves and get rid of the conditioning we have to be willing to kind of stumble around a little bit and make some mistakes because we're trying to figure this out we don't, I personally don't want to be like anti-man or just angry all the time or feel like I'm being, you know, just blaming, but I also want to be able to stand in my power and, and, and not feel victimized and not feel like I need to abide by any sort of rules and be perfect. You know what I mean? So it's like, how can we learn to just be soft and angry and all of that? And there's going to be different times. And I feel like we have such pressure to always be perfect like to mm -hmm. your example with the your cousin having all of these children no one's looking at him any kind of way like right. it's just normal and as a woman it's like you could be perfect and do one thing out of line and all the other stuff you did potentially can be overlooked yeah right because you you stepped out of line and so it's like we really have to in my opinion give ourselves permission to, to figure it out and to test some things and experiment you know maybe you know like for me just to give up some personal information i have been celibate for many many years and i think there was a lot of beauty in that and and i even told myself oh well when i go to have sex again i want it to just be because i'm in a relationship but do i have to do it that way like again like I don't who do I have to answer to but myself yeah. and so sometimes it's like we have to forget what women think what men think it's like what do we genuinely feel in our heart and really being okay with that and then if it fucks up and it just it, things blow up it's like okay cool that didn't work now yeah. I have to do something different and I feel like we have this pressure and I really want us to be able to like release that because that's a lot to live up to yeah. always being perfect I feel yeah. like your story too with celibacy it's like yes you know judging from other stories or maybe like our own conditioning um you know the perfect ending to that was like oh she was celibate for all these years and then she got in this relationship with this very spiritual in touch man and then they had beautiful sex and it was cosmic and they used to do sex tantric sex magic together um and that's you know like a great story and you could write a book about it mm -hmm. but it's not real no. and 
who's to say like okay you've been celibate for a few years and then event like one night you're like i just want to get yeah. fucked like hey, i don't you, care if it's here. in the back of a car or wherever like <laughs> exactly and yeah it doesn't have to be this ending of like oh this it's almost like this um new age like healing fairy tale and mm-hmm. it's like but it doesn't have to be that right you know, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. No, Your story doesn't. doesn't have to look like that. No, no. No. We get to define it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's more power in defining it for yourself mm-hmm. and not doing what everybody else thinks or what you think sounds like a better story. Right. Because I think the more interesting story is like, well, Lynette, tell me about the <laughs> next five times after you decided to. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's value in things not going as planned because right. I'm sure Medusa would have liked for things to go a different way for herself. Because right. in the one version of the story, like sh- she's a temple pr- priestess, like she knows she shouldn't be like fucking like at all. Yeah. You know, because she's like serving Athena. But then she she gives in to her desires and she makes beautiful, passionate love with Poseidon. But then look at all the mess it created in her life and all the feelings and the mistrust and the betrayal and the trauma and you know all those complicated things that love can bring up but look at you know the value in her story and how if we're looking at Athena and Medusa as part of the triple goddess like they're Mm -hmm. one in the same um, entity so Athena would be like the virgin and then Medusa would be like the crone basically like the dark goddess well at the very end of the story um Athena is wearing Medusa as Stephanie mentioned which means to guard or protect on her breastplate yeah. you know she's wearing it as something that protects her so it's almost as if her experience her wisdom that she gained because the snake-haired woman deals with the image and the archetype of feminine wisdom mm-hmm. so she's been initiated now into the sexual mysteries and now she uses it as an emblem of protection yeah it's like she's integrated that part of herself exactly and even when we look at and stephanie i'm sure you have some stuff to say about this but even looking at the serpent like it's been looked at as this negative thing right so before it was about power and discernment and wisdom and then religion and some other things turned it into evil and yeah. into kind of like this slimy type of energy so it's like again it's like we look at some of these things that um represent power and it's been twisted so that mm-hmm. we don't we don't use it right you know it's like we don't we don't use that serpent energy and again it's about discernment we have to be responsible of when we bite and when we when we surrender we don't always have to be in either of those energies but somehow it's like over the years it's like we've been kind of it's almost I almost look at it like being domesticated like Mm -hmm. kind of um raising or grooming someone out of their more primal nature out of their power to be more docile and to be kind of more manageable Mm -hmm. so it's like I feel like some of those things are coming back online Mm -hmm. you know that power and that energy and we just have to do our best to be discerning about how we use it yeah i mean at first the snake in the story of christianity was essentially the devil the devil was presenting the apple which was the fruit of knowledge so you know there is knowledge 
in the darkness, in the shadow, which we keep reiterating, I feel like, every podcast. Yeah, because some say that the serpent in the Garden of Eden was Lilith. Yeah, Mm. and then she is depicted with having the serpent around her and presenting, and that's a beautiful story of two archetypes of womanhood um, or femininity. You know, here was Lilith, maybe in disguise as this, evil more shadowy um creature presenting like just eat the apple like quit being asleep quit being docile Mm -hmm. you have to realize that there is power we have power you don't have to listen to this dude you did not come from his rib that's the stupidest thing we've ever heard (laughs) like and like carnal knowledge it's like when you when you get comfortable with your sexuality it is empowerment Mm -hmm. really is and so this the serpent is also this symbol of um you know it it can be medicine you know snake venom can heal you know Mm -hmm. or it can kill you Mm -hmm. so and then the serpent it's a symbol of wisdom it's a symbol of renewal regenerative and we see like in the kundalini energy like kundalini translates to serpent power and when you practice kundalini or you have a kundalini awakening you become realized you become conscious but awareness if anyone has ever if anyone has ever gotten to a state where they're like i know too much it's fucking scary i gotta go like eat some high fructose corn syrup and watch tv like i gotta come back down because i'm getting too close like i know i feel like i know too much and it is scary so it's like like wisdom and knowledge like it isn't just something that falls in your lap when you're having a nice day like it is something that you go through the dark night of the soul to realize like you see some dark shit you see some heavy shit that requires a lot of processing yeah it's almost like Lilith was offering that to Eden but or to Eve in that sense of like listen but I'll like we'll go through some shit but just take this first bite because in a sense like people do think ignorance is bliss but is it you know I mean it can be until the whole world just erupts into fire around you and then right you know, are you still sitting there like that little dog in that meme like i'm okay i'm fine everything's fine <laughs> <laughs> or like if you had known could you have maybe done something to stop it or contain it or control it well that's the thing it's a double-edged sword yeah and that's why it takes a lot of care to handle mm-hmm. yeah and they say you know however you look at god's source you know that whatever let's just leave it at that like they say like all of it derives from that so whether you look at it as good or bad Mm -hmm. light or dark it all goes back to the source so i think even our opinions and ideas of what right and wrong is is there's more gray than we thought and you know if you can think about someone in your life who you may not have liked or who has challenged you or betrayed you they could have been one of your biggest teachers so is it bad yeah yeah exactly so i think we're seeing that a lot in the athena medusa dynamic yeah 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 and i don't know i just i just keep again we keep talking about how like that power can be can be manipulated so it's like medusa was um she was not regarded as regarded well because of her power but yet athena and is it Perse- I always get the names Perseus. Perseus. They both used a thing or Medusa's power. Yeah. yeah. So it's like they they are like okay that's bad but let me get some of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Like yeah. what's that about? Well, and that was part of uh, Perseus's journey to separate from basically like 
get off the teat basically like from his mom and he had to go out and like he danced with the dark goddess he danced with sexuality he -hmm. danced with that primal wisdom Mm -hmm. yeah can you talk a little bit more about the how the moon in Scorpio yeah. was opposed that star? I think this yeah. is going to be fascinating. So okay, so yeah, there is a so speaking about medicines yeah. and how that they there are some substances and forces that can harm as well as heal. It's all in the dosage, right? Well, one such thing is alcohol, and I bring that up because. The star associated with Medusa's eye, the the head, her beheaded head in the Perseus constellation, her name is Algol. And that word gives us the word for ghoul, but it also gives us the word for alcohol, which is a spirit. Mm-hmm. So, and spirits can, can open us up to the spiritual realm, but drink too much and you're not in control of your body anymore. Right. So it's one of those double-edged swords but yeah so Perseus is pretty far above it's north of the ecliptic which is the zodiac but the star if you were to look up from 26 degrees Taurus it's north of it so it is considered at 26 degrees of Taurus and we just recently had the sun align with Algol and at the very moment that the sun aligned with the star Algol we had a full moon in Scorpio Mm. and so this whenever you have um, a powerful alignment with Algol you are well a lot of I should start by saying that a lot of these stars like a lot of the interpretations of the stars in the zodiac or like above the zodiac or south of it um, they have kind of ancient meanings attached to them like there hasn't been a whole lot of dissection into updating some of the interpretations of these stars to kind of fit our modern needs and so every time we look at them we kind of have to look at the deeper meaning behind it so a lot of times algal is associated with beheadings or people losing their head but I also think that you know we can find other value from the algal myth or the Medusa myth when the star gets activated so for example we see people with algal in their charts like people who are unafraid to like go really deep so for example Lynette one of your mentors Dolores Cannon she has algal on her midheaven so that's her career point so she's she's working with potent medicine of the subconscious which has that kind of like potent healing qualities but also you know the subconscious can be destructive when it's running you know a bad program so to speak yeah, yeah. exactly so anyways we had this um we had algal part of the scorpio full moon the scorpio full moon is always intense because scorpio is an emotionally intense sign it feels things very deeply things that are unspoken it's a very psychic sign and so Scorpio also rules the genitals and the reproductive functions and also if you want to look at it beyond the purposes of reproduction but also the regenerative and also simultaneously potentially destructive energies of sexuality. So here it's no coincidence that Alabama law passes these strict 
anti-abortion bans into into law yeah and so we're having that conversation come to a peak right around the time of the scorpio full moon yeah yeah it's i know so many of us are angry and i'm angry and i'm sad too like why is it that someone who let's say deals drugs and gets caught and has to do all this jail time but someone who violently rapes and beats a woman can sometimes get off with probation yeah i mean that is just it makes me so sad that someone can be violated to that extreme and potentially have to answer and defend herself to even you know what i mean bring try to bring some sort of justice to that and it's just really sad that this is where we are and i hope that i'm not delusional in this way but i almost feel like hopefully as we start to see how sinister government can be in certain groups that we really become more aware and and take back our power and and really come together to like fight some of this um because i feel like before we realized how sinister it was i think a lot of us we're just skating by and just kind of going through our daily lives. And now we're realizing even the people that didn't realize how sinister government can be or the powers that be, it's like now we're starting to realize like, wow, yeah, this is a lot more fucked up than we thought. And yeah. so I hope in this phase of darkness, we can really come out on top because it's just it's ridiculous. Where yeah. We are. And people saying like, oh, it's an all out war on women and um I mean, women are right there too. There was a woman who signed the bill. And so like, I almost think of her as like an Athena type who, you know, wants to get revenge or have control over the rest of us Medusas um, who are out here participating. You know, people like to say, well, if you don't want to get pregnant, don't have sex. And it's just like, it's not realistic. Um, People are going to have sex. People are going to have unprotected sex. People are going to make decisions or not make decisions. You know, there's a lot of stories now out on the news. It's like some of these women didn't get to make the decision if they wanted to engage in sex. Um, They were taken against their will or forced. And why should anyone have to carry out a pregnancy in that trauma? It's like at least have the choice. If you want to, by all means, like, do you but if you don't want to it's like why should I have to change my whole life yeah and I also think that like the woman who Mm -hmm. signed it into law like to be one of the guys Mm -hmm. like Athena style you know because in that in her profession you got to think it's probably very male dominated oh yeah and so and I mean it's one thing like you know, you want to stab woman in the back, like, you know, I guess it happens a lot, but like this bill is harsh. Women or anyone who gives or provides an abortion can go to jail for life. Yeah. For life. And it's like, what are they trying to accomplish? It's like, we already know that people of color are dominating prison population. Um, there's no question that there's 
it's been like systematically done to keep those people in prison and to sort of let the government have control over their lives, what jobs they'll be able to get, where they'll be able to go, um, if they'll be able to vote or not. And here's this other thing happening, this abortion ban. And make no mistake that those politicians who have their little mistresses or whatever, those women will still have access to safe abortion. This is about women in lower income communities or women from maybe um, just different types of communities. Like there's no doubt in my mind that rich white women will still have access to safe abortions. Well, because they'll, even if they're in Alabama, they'll travel, they'll have means to travel yeah. to go get the procedure like done. any of those politicians little daughters they'll get rid of that baby real quick yeah, yeah they're going on vacation to a liberal state like california yeah. Yeah. yeah and there was this meme that was funny in a very twisted way and it basically made fun like if you have a, a white politician who let's say daughter got pregnant by a black man what do you think he would potentially want for his daughter? You know what I mean? So, so someone that may be against abortion, but let's say you're racist and your daughter gets pregnant mm-hmm. by a minority game changer. Game I'm changer. sure they would look at, They're look at it differently. They're hooking that baby out of there. Yeah, exactly. Sure. And then you brought up people going um, to prison for like small, like drug possessions, but then, and you have that, and that's what's really filling up the prisons with a disproportionate amount of people of color but like you for nonviolent crimes like that, but then you also at the same time have states like Colorado legalizing marijuana and like a lot of these rich white dudes are the ones like running some of these corporations. I watched a documentary last night Mm -hmm. um, called Grass is Greener on Netflix. It's really good. You might pass it up because you're like, oh, it's just another weed documentary because there's like a million of them. Um, But this one was really, really good because it did talk about that. And they went to like CannaCon, which is like the big get together of the cannabis entrepreneurs. Um, And they were interviewing this white entrepreneur and he was, you know, they're asking him, what do you think? Do you think the men and women who are imprisoned um, for their small drug offenses should be allowed out and even given access and a gateway into the cannabis industry because it would only be right. They were they were essentially cannabis entrepreneurs on an underground level. Um, and now that it's above ground and you're profiting off of it, don't you think they should have access? And he said, he goes, no, those guys were, they're not good businessmen. You know, they're just stoners and stoners don't make good businessmen and I'm like I don't know about you maybe you haven't been in the underground scene I'm not trying to put my stuff out there please don't come for me nobody call the police but like (laughs) those are some of the best entrepreneurs I've never seen people get so creative and the hustle is on like those are going to make the best businessmen yeah because they're going to be hungry for it when you've got to feed your family and you've got to actually like be out on the streets you're your mind is business oriented all the time um so to me there was definitely like very racist undertones in that statement absolutely because you know marijuana was only made a schedule one drug because it was mostly used by african americans and mexicans they're the ones who actually brought it to the united states and made it sort of like this popular thing that's why they call it marijuana yeah it was originally called cannabis but they said marijuana because they wanted to make it sound like exotic and latino and you know um but it's just like 
crazy. Like you said, people are able to make money off of it now, and it's become this very white industry. People of color, mm-hmm. actually, very small percentage mm-hmm. of them are the people benefiting off of the cannabis explosion, so to say. So basically the same exact thing is paralleling, but with reproductive rights. And I actually, there's been, um, so the thing with algal getting activated too is that sometimes you you lose it, you go off on people, and Mars is at the last degree of Gemini. Mm -hmm. So people were like diving in and challenging each other. I saw a lot of this on social media. And my Libra son, I normally hang back. Like I normally don't get involved in like, you know, challenging people. Um, But I was in it. And this woman, this woman, she was like, oh, well, all of this abortion, it's murder, and you've got, and she said, she said, there are, like, black women having, like, seven abortions, and I was, like, appalled for so many reasons. Yeah. But I, my response to her was, well, did you know that, like, people of color have a disproportionate availability of access to some of these, like, birth, things like birth control? Mm-hmm and doctors and help like that so we are seeing you know um it's institutionalized racism basically oh yeah certainly i mean i even shared something on my social media like i'm not i don't like to beat around the bush but i also don't like to like bring it up to people out of nowhere like how was your day i'm like fine i've had two abortions but like i'm not ashamed to talk about it i've had two abortions i had one when i was 17 and um the reasoning behind it isn't really important um and then i had a second one when i was like 20 and that was a year before i gave birth to my oldest son now and that pregnancy was with my children's father um so it's just different times in your life you're ready for different things um relationships you know maybe you feel comfortable like okay now we're ready maybe we weren't ready a year ago Mm -hmm. i wasn't in the place a year ago but i was able to make that decision um and that's what i think it's about and you know somebody commented this older woman who's friends with like my mom um she was like you know my I have a friend who had an abortion and she thinks about it and regrets it every day and on the anniversary she gets very very sad and I was like that's unfortunate and there are going to be multitudes of different emotions around the subject it is no easy decision to make it doesn't come without some thought a little bit of weight behind it um and I was like every woman's going to feel that way but at least she had the choice exactly that's the important thing it isn't that abortions for everybody like get pregnant don't want the baby come on down like vacuum it out it's like that's not what we're saying we're not saying put out commercials um but normalizing it is talking about it and that's what i was trying to say i was just trying to say like if you've been through it let's talk about it let's make it normal you know we'll talk about things like anything we'll talk about anal sex we'll talk about murder we'll talk about religion but like abortion we're like don't talk about it if you've been through it you kind of keep that to yourself Mm -hmm. you work through it solo um and i'm kind of tired of that i'm like no fuck it let's talk about it the way we talk about everything else yeah it's important (laughs) to be able to make that choice Mm -hmm. and and the thing is that i think a lot of pro-life people which pro-life in quotations because if they're born to be gay or whatever like then you're no longer pro-life right but Anyways, um, I think what a lot of pro-life people 
might not understand is that no one really wants to make that decision like that decision is a hard choice for anyone and I would say for women but not just women but men too men have gone through abortions like I read a statistic that one in four men has had an abortion meaning one in four men has gone through that difficult choice with his partner Mm -hmm. and and the post was also encouraging men to have these discussions with one another yeah it's important and even you know you're talking about trans people and queer people it's their issue as well you know you identify as a man but you have a uterus and women's working parts and you become pregnant it's like what you may not be ready you may have just figured out like this is the type of life i want to have you may have just come out and become comfortable with Mm -hmm. your identity and who you are and then to have to deal with this other you know aspect and this very feminine thing you Mm -hmm. know that can almost be a little crushing Mm -hmm. Um, but we don't talk about these things we don't even bring up all all of the shit that comes up with a pregnancy yeah I feel like too like people who are super polarized about certain topics probably have a lot of shit buried that they don't deal with it's almost like we don't we don't want to sit with our own shit. We just want to look at someone else and be like, oh, that's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, a, it's like, again, whether you're for abortion or not, I think it's really about allowing other people. So if it's a moral issue, let that person come before God or however you want to say, let that, that's that person's path. Like, why is it that I'm so against that when what do I have going on in my own life? Right. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I think more of us, I'm not saying that we should just be super passive and just let, people hurt other people or just not stand up for anything but i think there needs to be a point where we sit with our own lives our own shit and and let other people work through theirs right it's not always our job to to be super judgmental about what someone does or doesn't do it's not your job to you're not going to be the one dealing with that decision so why do you care right you know especially when there's so many double standards like when you talk about pro-life and again another meme about do we care about uh, the children being taken advantage of and abused or you know there's so many different situations that I feel like we don't advocate for these people yeah kids Uh, in foster care yeah so it's like where where does that pro-life start and end exactly and And it's like you hear these stories about mothers maybe weren't ready for motherhood but were almost forced or didn't think they they could even say the word abortion and they have these children and these children have this quality of life for a few years and then the switch happens and those mother end up murdering their own children and it's like for me I would have rather that woman had the abortion and you know figured out her demons or you know went on her journey and figured out herself more or gotten some answers before she committed to motherhood um, than to have this child go through life and experience all these beautiful things and build relationships with these people to then just be taken out of this world in a very gruesome yeah. way. Yeah. And I think another thing that it brings up too is it's like we're talking about, you know, the idea of, you know, at what point does it become life? So, like, yeah, you might have a cluster of cells growing in your uterus that will eventually grow into a container for a soul to enter. A lot of different depending on your spiritual beliefs Mm -hmm. like you might believe that there is a soul in that cluster of cells from the beginning or i know like in the kundalini yoga tradition uh, we talk about the soul entering the body on the 120th day of pregnancy you know Mm -hmm. so there's a certain um you know depending on your belief 
you know or like the whole idea of like oh like we'll protect you and look out for you until you enter foster care or whatever but yeah there's this whole idea of what makes a life but I also want to bring up like autonomy you know Mm -hmm. it's a woman's choice and so we don't know we don't know just like we don't know what happens after death we don't know when that baby becomes sentient but we should before we're certain that it is we should have women we should be advocating for women to make that choice and to protect themselves and their best interests Mm -hmm. and i that makes me think too what you said prior um about like regulating birth and all that and when and does the soul enter the vehicle of the body and it's like so in my mind with this whole pro-life thing are we going to start government regulating funerals and people's death processions and you know death ceremonies because if the soul is leaving the body and transcending to heaven or hell as christians believe and christians seem to be the ones running the show here um so you know an Indian funeral or maybe a Muslim funeral or something like that or you know the Mexican Day of the Dead celebration are we going to outlaw those things because we think the soul has transcended to heaven or hell so right you know why are you regulating then the passage of life into the beginning of birth if you're not regulating its exit why are you regulating its entry yeah Yeah. and the thing is too (laughs) is that like nature has its has its way like a lot of times, you know, you have a, a body growing inside of you, you're pregnant, but then like, you know, you miscarry or you have uh, birds in nature that kick a bird out of the nest because they, you know, there's something instinctual. Like you'll sometimes see a cat, it gives birth and then it eats one of its babies. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Nature's funny like that is all mm-hmm. I'm saying. Yeah. And like also there, but it's not funny when you have women doing time right now for having a miscarriage and they're in jail for murdering their child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that one of the parts of one law in Alabama? Maybe not Alabama. Maybe it was, there's a couple states. I, I believe it's a woman nuts. in Texas doing yeah. time for a miscarriage, yeah, but I'm not had a sure. Miscarriage. And if somebody was like, you've got to go to jail for that. I'm like, you out of your fucking mind. I didn't even know I was pregnant. Wow. (laughs) Well, that's the fucked up thing about this six week thing. So people who are uneducated about reproductive function, people who are uneducated about sex and female bodies, they think, oh, my gosh, like six weeks, that's plenty of time for a woman to make a decision. You don't know you're pregnant until like (laughs) sometimes eight, ten weeks. That's it, because everyone's cycle is different. Mm -hmm. So what they're basing this six weeks to decide off of is your last period so what they don't even take into consideration is that maybe two three weeks later you ovulate and then depending on your cycle because my cycle is six weeks so three weeks later I'm missing my period I'm like well maybe it's coming I get to seven weeks and then it's too late I go to jail yeah right that's a wild thought it's yeah whatever is going on I mean I'm glad people are waking up and you know i hate seeing those comparisons where it's like oh this is like the handmaid's tale and it's like no like that's fiction and while it does have some scary context it's like fear inducing people right now they're like oh it's gonna be like that and it's like well reality is scary enough like you know women a a black woman was shot by the police and was screaming i'm pregnant like 
please don't shoot and ended up her and the baby are so it gone. doesn't sound like they were very pro-life right yeah. and it's like what about that baby what about you know you hear these horror stories of these women there was another one a, a like 19 year old girl somebody on craigslist or something said i have baby clothes and she was like great love to pick them up because she's struggling in this society in this economy to even be able to afford baby clothes so she says free baby clothes dope yes i'll be there and this person ends up killing her and cutting the baby out of her womb whoa yeah it's like so my thing is before we even begin to tell women what type of or you know women or uterus having individuals what they need to do consciously when they consciously know there is you know cells forming in here that will eventually lead to a child that i'll have to commit my life to um if the if women or whoever have the wherewithal to make that decision let them make that decision we've got bigger issues here yeah we are putting children in cages and separating them for their from their mothers how pro-life are you then how much do you revere the mother-child bond then you know police brutality killing people killing children that child's life didn't matter right you know yeah and it's we've got to take care of this stuff before we can even think about the lives that haven't even formed yet Mm -hmm. right this makes me think of if we think about things esoterically some people would even say maybe we don't look to government for justice as women especially those of us who are engaged with like ritual and that type of thing is there something else that we could be doing to help to manage the stuff that's happening on this earthly plane because a lot of us are looking to the oppressor to produce justice and i don't know if that's really going to work so i think that there's a time and place for us to do things in terms of grassroots and and regulation and law and i think that we may have to reach back to some of our ancestral ways through ritual through ceremony and through some of these plant medicines some of these other ways of how can we bring these higher uh, more elevated ways of being and consciousness into this earthly plane Um, so i think that there's a way to approach it from the more practical sense and i think that we may need to bring in some of these higher energies to help us to work through some of this stuff here yeah i agree it's time for us to connect with the the goddess and mm-hmm. all of her manifestations you know and one reason again going back to our original mission of this podcast is we want to talk about dark goddesses because we don't we see um a disproportionate amount of representation of the dark goddess you know we see a lot of emphasis and value on the mother archetype or the lover archetype and maybe not so much on the other aspects mm-hmm. of femininity yeah and um you know i want to bring up lilith for a moment too because lilith was one of the og dark goddesses and she was an herbalist you know Mm -hmm. she was a revolutionary in that way she was autonomous she worked for herself you know she she um distributed her healing prowess and her sexuality to um, assist people Mm -hmm. and so that's why prostitution quote unquote is one of the first professions Mm -hmm. but how do we define prostitution are we calling it prostitution was the first uh profession because that's what patriarchy has told us Mm -hmm. or was it using your body using your knowledge using Mm -hmm. your spiritual connection with with your sexuality Mm -hmm. to help people connect with something deeper yeah but lilith she was 
also known to be an herbalist. And so could it be that her knowledge of herbs and performing abortions because they didn't have the pill back then no no they use there are herbs you can use i've seen women posting about that like we won't stop having abortions like our ancestors had them right we could easily just not tell y'all about it and exactly but what what i'm wondering is could her knowledge of herbs and being able to administer abortions could that be connected with the other myth that she's a baby stealing demon? Oh, for sure. Yeah. That makes absolute sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is, as we talked about, this is the, the best time, I think, to be talking about the dark goddess because she can come in and course correct. She can come in and do some of the dirty work. And I think that um, as we talk about women coming together, you know, even empowering some of our younger family members or daughters to be in touch with their sexuality and to be responsible with who they engage with, how they engage with them, instead of not talking about it, instead of acting like sex is bad. So it's like, we need to really come together. And again, I'm not saying for us not to work at the legislation and all of that. I think that has its place, but some of us just need to be working with each other mm -hmm. and, and bringing in some of these more ancient ways and how to uh, bring them into the modern world so that again women can be in their power but we can be responsible because I know for me I wasn't no one told me about um, birth control no one told me about how to honor my body and how to respect myself you know it was more for me it was um, using sex as validation or helping me to heal or I guess at that point those daddy wounds that I wasn't aware yeah. that I had so the point is is that it wasn't talked about and so the way that I ex I didn't really value my sexuality the way that I could have or should yeah. have so yeah I feel like we have to just come in and, and be nurturing and be loving amongst each other but also know like these times are going to require some intensity and yeah. some tough decisions and it's not going to be always pretty no. yeah it's like telling young women that you know like oh you just don't engage in sex that's the answer that's yeah. it and it's it's not realistic why aren't we teaching young women about having their power having the upper hand but also being responsible like how do you honor your body you know here are all these different ways giving them access having conversations like teaching kids abstinence is the dumbest shit i've ever heard right. they're gonna do it right the same way we teach them that whole you know even going back to the drug conversation that just say no of the 80s nobody was just gonna say no mm -hmm. and then you have all this misinformation, propaganda, and with information, with misinformation becomes even bigger problems because people don't know how to handle things. They don't know how to handle um, drugs. They don't know how to handle sex. And because we've just put them in the dark, close that box, don't talk about it, and then you just have complete chaos when you don't have knowledge. So yeah, I think what's missing is education because mm -hmm. while the United States is kind of going through all this, you have people from like Denmark and other parts of like Europe that are like, well, we discuss this, you know, we start sex education, we start talking about it when kids are young, you know, we even like teach people in school how to break up nicely with mm. one another. Aww. Wow. And, you know, and like <laughs> how often, you know. I know when I was younger, I like stayed in relationships too long because I didn't know how to say no. Mm -hmm. right. I didn't know how to like confront and say, I don't want to do this. You mm -hmm. know, you didn't have the language. Yeah, I didn't have the language. No one taught me. You know, we're largely 
learning it in the dark on our own, like Mm -hmm. trying to figure it out. But uh, yeah, education. I had a very powerful conversation with one of my clients. I, for those of you that don't know, I cut hair a few days a week and, you know, hair, that is like, I could do a whole podcast on hair and (laughs) it's spiritual and psychological manifestations. But, you know, this one particular client, we were talking about how she lets her kids do whatever they want with their hair because it's just hair and teaching them that they have choices and they Mm -hmm. have control and sovereignty over their body is going to echo into their teenage years and guarantee her daughter is going to be able to say no and trust that people will listen when she says no yeah that's so powerful that makes Mm -hmm. me even think of my son and I have had conversations because culturally like I'm Puerto Rican and it's a given that when you greet someone like your family you kiss them or you hug them and my son would say why do I have to like I don't even like this person but <laughs> you know I, I'm forced to out mm-hmm. of respect out of culture out of tradition to do that and so I think a lot of the younger generation are beginning to question some of these things that are just so again it's like he should have the ability because it's his body to say yes I want to greet this person and hug them and kiss them or no I don't right. and whatever form of disrespect you feel is something you're going to have to sit with and deal with that's not my problem you're right like we put that on children like don't make this adult feel bad and that's where you have especially in our culture and cultures like that where greeting is very intimate and physical you have these stories of the funny uncle or whoever and this or the person funny aunt. or the funny aunt and or like children being like yeah you know I was touched by this family friend or this uncle or aunt or things were inappropriate because where are you giving children boundaries they don't know how to say no they don't know that their body is theirs and they have the option to engage in physical contact and not mm-hmm. because when you come from a culture where physical intimacy is a way of greeting mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. such a basic thing as a greeting mm-hmm. it just it's yeah, tricky these lines I've even seen men in my family when dealing with a small child and let's say they want love and affection from this little child it's almost like you're gonna make that baby cry because you want to kiss mm-hmm. that to me pisses me off and yes. I feel like it's not it's not about that like when for me, now that I've learned, it's like I ask little kids, can I have a hug? Mm-hmm. Can't. So again, these are these boundaries that I think are being redefined. Yeah. 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 But there's so many parallels in this story. And um, I really think that, you know, we're in a time where we are bridging the ancient with the modern, bringing, bringing forward what works for us and integrating that into our modern way. And I would love to see myself and other women doing more ceremony and ritual with this dark goddess energy mm-hmm. learning from them how do we bring forward more power and um, this ability to make change in our community but doing it in a responsible responsible and loving way so I would I would love to see more of that I yeah. think women Thank could you. really benefit with um, connecting with the archetype and learning about that and figuring out for themselves how do I integrate that and what does this look like for me yeah Yeah. because I think the dark goddess is very much needed right now because she is you know both like she can be destructive and she can be regenerative and healing we see Mm -hmm. that in archetypes like Kali you Mm -hmm. know 
And so what do we need to destroy collectively so that we can birth forth something new yeah. for our mm-hmm. daughters and our sons and our future generations? Yeah. I think talking to going back to the Medusa myth, it's like there are good parts of the Athena archetype, that warrior, that strength that she possesses. Um, and, you know, doing away with maybe the jealousy and the envy. Um, and then even with Medusa, you know, the parts of her that maybe she should have been a little more um, powerful. Maybe she should have, if it was her decision, maybe she should have stood more powerful and be like, I made that decision. I wanted some dick. He came to the temple, bing, bang, boom. Um, <laughs> Not bing, bang, boom. <laughs> <laughs> and Or, you know, if she was forcefully taken, then standing up for herself and be like, this wasn't my choice. But, you know, in her death, I, you know, that image of Pegasus, the winged horse, like the complete manifestation of total freedom. Yeah. And it's like when we let go of the anger and the hurt and thinking like, yeah, it's a war on women. It's we got to take vengeance against men. It's like, no, it's this complete system that was built by we're all to like women and men are to blame. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this fucking woman in Alabama signed this bill. Women are as much a part of the problem as men are. And how do we get complete and total freedom? How do we morph into the Pegasus and expand beyond this? Well, I think part of that, too, you know, if we're talking about, like, what kind of practices can we do? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, part of the myth was the reflection. And we talked about that in our last podcast about the dark moon phase and being Mm -hmm. able to take that time and go within and, like, look at it. Like, I know with this medusa full moon recently like i did see a glimpse of myself that i didn't like and that has always been there but i never saw it that way before Mm -hmm. and how powerful is that and Mm -hmm. so i think like the periods of reflection and encouraging younger generations to like really reflect what are your values what's important to you Mm -hmm. what are you what are we getting out of this that we don't need to feel like we have this vendetta yeah Mm -hmm. What are your choices? What are your wants? Mm-hmm. Um, and here's the thing, like the feminine is here. She is reemerging. And I want to share a really quick story about uh, a psilocybin experience that I had a few weeks ago. And it was interesting because in my experience, I was like giving birth. I was going through the birthing pains and I felt like I was going to like take a sh- on myself. <laughs> like it was like the whole thing. And there was this moment where it was like, she's here. Like she has been, it's like we're birthing this new consciousness. We're mm-hmm. birthing uh, this more feminine aspect. And there was a point in my experience where whatever, let's just call it father and mother God for simplicity. It was like father God was way in the corner and he was just hanging back and he knew that he was just holding space for her to come in. And so it was like, to me, it didn't feel like this conflict of, no, I'm the masculine. I'm going to come in here and, and dominate. And he he's like, it's almost as if he was like, I've had my time. And for this particular time, where we are right now, the feminine has to come forward and she has to kind of take. And it felt beautiful because to me, that's masculinity, that's power is when you know it's not my time right now, I'm gonna step back and being secure enough, right? Because if a man is secure in his masculinity and his power and and who he is, he doesn't have to fight anyone. He knows, okay, there's going to be a point in time where I'm going to come forward. I'm going to make the decision. I'm going to lead. 
And then there's going to be a time where it's like, okay, no, you know what? You know what's best right now. So I'm going to hang back. Mm -hmm. And that to me was really beautiful because it showed that we can do that too here. We're not, it's the, we're not saying men don't have their place or men, we can't allow them to lead in certain ways. But I feel like right now it's about the feminine coming in and restoring balance. And um, I think that some people are rejecting that and they're fighting it, but I don't know. I, I think it's going to, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. I wanted you to touch on though um, real quick. Maybe we'll close out with that, but you were talking about how women um, maybe making the choice during those dark times to withdraw, going back to our last podcast and now making the choice maybe to come forward and removing the victim stigma. So if you want to, Wait, that. you mean like from the the book that I was Yeah, about? yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm reading this awesome book if you're interested in the things that we're talking about. Um it's a book by an astrologer named Demetra George and she has this book called Mysteries of the Dark Moon and it has a good amount of astrology in it, but really it has a lot of about like archetypes and the dark goddess and it's it's a gem, it's a mine of a book. Like it's amazing. But she talks about like what if what if you know we had matriarchal societies and what if in the in like the distinctly like archetypal feminine cycle of you know having your period and going within and withdrawing and the necessity of withdrawal what if these last 2000 years was necessary for the goddess to kind of withdraw herself a little bit mm. so we've had kind of more of a s distinctive patriarchal society in the last at least 2,000 years maybe mm -hmm. more um, probably like 4,000 years actually um, but like it's been distinctly masculine um, or young however you want to look at it but yeah she theorizes in this book that like what if the the goddess had to just do her thing where she needed to retreat and regenerate herself a little bit and so now we're kind of at the point in the cycle where she's coming back Mm -hmm. you know but like just barely poking through the soil right now but yeah. we're coming back and the goddess and the feminine energy will reclaim herself and yes hopefully you know the men want to do it too because men or if you're not binary you know we have these um polarities within us in mm -hmm. some degree of balance and so we want to awaken the goddess and have a better relationship with her, all of us. Mm -hmm. And it's not always about gender, to your point. These are about the feminine and ma masculine aspects within ourselves. So it could be looked at that, okay, now is time for more compassion and nurturing versus domination and power over someone else. Yeah. So it, it could be looked at in, in a you know, few different ways. Exactly. Yeah. And her theory even went one step further to the point where... Um, like women um like the goddess kind of has felt under attack mm -hmm. in the last few thousand years mm -hmm. because maybe people felt abandoned by her mm -hmm. like her nourishment and everything mm -hmm. people have always historically worshipped the goddess because of her nur nourishment mm -hmm. yeah and you know to feel kind of abandoned by her has kind of made people kind of feel like well she you know where is she like we feel lost mm -hmm. in the world mm -hmm. and so we have been kind of in this period of darkness in the mm -hmm. last few thousand years but it's coming back it's coming back it's almost like cry for mom 
yes. like you know when's mom coming home when's mom coming back mm-hmm. and there's that sense of relief when you do feel that mothering energy or that nurturing energy come back and I think maybe you're right you know maybe it's not so much like this it's a war on women we're the victims we've you know been overpowered what if it was more of a collective conscious choice of like no 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 we're gonna retreat we're gonna make ourselves stronger we're going to nurture ourselves get the rest we need um to come back and maybe that is why so much you see now like this other energy the combative nature of uh masculinity being like no we've got to put some chains on you and keep you buried a little bit longer um it's almost like that they don't want to let go mm-hmm. well because as we've seen everything has its shadow side mm-hmm. and especially the dark goddess she definitely has a shadow side and so what happens before we take that sleep you know mm-hmm. we might be cranky you know or we and like, fight it yeah, yeah or so like we need that period of rest and introspection so that we come back stronger mm-hmm. basically right. so the goddess is coming back strong yeah strong she's here watch out motherfuckers I'm just yeah. <laughs> i know you're not i'm not kidding i'm not no kidding jokes. no joke <laughs> okay so that i think wraps it up yeah yeah so that feels good <laughs> so um as we wrap up where can people connect with you guys um so you can uh, find me on Instagram um, at Lynette, L-Y-N-E-T-T-E dot Maris, M-A-R-I-S three, and at my website, LynetteRamos.com. Uh, you can find me pretty much on Instagram too, uh, at S-T period G-I-N-E-S-E, um, Janese, my last name, and then my website too, StephanieJanese.com. And then do you guys have any events coming up in the Cleveland area that we can connect with you? Uh, I don't have any um, group events. Um, I'm just doing my um, individual quantum healing hypnosis sessions, and um, I'm actually adding some additional services on that are more uh, geared toward like energy clearing and body work. So that's what I'm focusing on now. Yeah. Um, I'm going to actually be having a residency at Coven in Lakewood. So starting this Friday, I'll be there Fridays and Saturdays from three to eight. You can either go onto my website to like book your slotted scheduled time or walk-ins are welcome to, um, I'll be hanging out three to eight on Fridays and Saturdays there. Very nice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And then I'm Catherine. Uh, You can connect with me at Astro Catherine on Instagram. That's Catherine with a C. And uh, as far as astrology events, I am doing a pop-up at Felice Urban Cafe on June 2nd from 11 to 2 p.m. And you can come get a mini astrology reading with me there. Or rumor has it, I'm going to be doing some stuff with Coven here soon as well. We have a meeting this week to discuss. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I had a meeting with her last week and that's how we like set the schedule. But I'm also going to be there on June 2nd doing like little mini tarot readings. Oh, are you? Yeah. He asked me to come out too. And he said, I was like, well, you have a bunch of stuff going on. I was like, dope. I'll be there. A lot of readers and juices and CBD mocktails. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Just dope creative people. So it is, yeah, June 2nd at Felice Urban Cafe. I think tickets are 20 bucks, but like you can get an astrology reading with Catherine. You can do tarot reading. Lynette's just going to be there being her fly self. Yeah. Come connect with us. (laughs) Yeah. Plug into the awesome community that we're building together in Cleveland. For sure. So, till next time. So, yeah, until (laughs) next time. Um, 
yeah, just stay awesome, stay vigilant, <laughs> call and donate to the ACLU. Yeah, stay dark, friends. <laughs> stay Peace. dark.